two ways through. It's it's the previous generation being open-minded, but then young folks coming in and not being afraid to, to share their ideas and to show their commitment to uh, wherever they're at. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Welcome back, listener, to another episode of the Small Minded Podcast. Today, I welcome Alex Ambries, who is the newest owner of a multi-generation bakery business in McCook, Nebraska. I got to meet Alex through our fall social school at MKM, and we had contacted one another. We had kind of talked. She agreed to be a guest on the podcast in December. And it was through those interactions that I learned not only had she and her husband bought into this multi-generation Nebraska business, but Sainert's Bakery is actually a 500-year-old business with origins dating back to the 1500s in Germany. And I just knew that we had to have her as a full episode guest, and you will not be disappointed. Alex is so sweet, so generous with her knowledge and so open with her family story as they've navigated this new entrepreneurial journey that they've found themselves on. So without further ado, we're going to chat today with my friend Alex Ambries of Sainert's Bakery. What if sharing your business's products and services was easier and more effective? What if you could get your offer in front of the exact right person that your business is designed to help? What if instead of guessing what worked on Facebook, Instagram, email, traditional marketing, and all of the things, you knew the next right turn and you had a clear roadmap to get you there? What if you could accelerate your growth in 2022 and speed through the testing and figuring it out stage so you could put your marketing in cruise control? No more asking what if, my friend. The time is now. This winter, Molly aka me, of Molly Knuth Media, is offering 10 business owners the opportunity to work one-on-one to plan offers, strategically align marketing around specific goals, and accelerate growth in their business. In this exclusive, intensive experience, you get one 90-minute Zoom call to discuss your business's specific marketing needs, customized education, training during the call, and tools that can help accelerate your growth. You'll get Voxer access, which is this fun little walkie-talkie app, for five business days so you can continue to ask questions and share wins after your call. And this is what I'm most excited about. You get one month inside our new MKM Mastermind that will be launching later this spring. Okay, so who is Accelerate for? This is for the business owner who knows 2022 is her year. The business owner who is confident that her business can help more people, but she just needs to know how to share her expertise to get in front of the right audience. Accelerate is for the business owner who manages her own marketing in-house, whether solo or with a team. 
The business owner who is tired of wasting time trying to fit into cookie-cutter models and wants specific guidance growing her unique business. This is for the business owner who is ready to invest in herself and maximize and accelerate her 2022. If this business owner is you and you are ready to hit the gas in your business, Accelerate is here. Head to mollyknuthmedia.com slash coaching for more information and to reserve your spot. Welcome, Alex. I'm so excited to have you today. Oh man, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Molly. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, Alex and I, as you heard in the introduction, we got to know each other in mid to late 2021. And I just like get more and more intrigued by your story. And I just like love you so much. And I'm like, we have to have her on for a full episode of the podcast. Well, I'm so excited. I, uh, I feel like our story, I keep finding new pieces to share and different ways to share it because I'm still learning um, as we step into this new business. Which we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to hop on and share. Yay. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us the name of your business and a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I'm Alex Ambries. My husband, Andrew, and I live in McCook, Nebraska, which is in Southwest Nebraska, kind of right in the middle between Denver and Omaha, if you were looking on a map. We have two little guys, Xander, who is three, and Isaiah, who is one. So that's our full-time gig is being wife and mom. Um, I have a nine to five, which is I work as the development team lead for Vivaic, which is a learning design company. And our most recent venture as a family has been purchasing Sainert's Bakery and Biroc Cafe here in McCook, Nebraska. So that was um, a new life change as of August, 2021. So we are still very new in the business ownership space, but are learning lots and having lots of fun. Ah, this is exactly, you are the person that I made this podcast for when I got started because I was just so many people in small towns do all the things just like you described. Like you've got a full-time job. You've got this local, like established, like landmark business Mm -hmm. and you're a mom and you're doing all the things in your small town too. So it's like, there are so many people out there. And I think that you are just a prime example of how small town people can do it all. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. It is, uh, I think the beauty of small town people doing it all is we are all doing it all. So we understand and can support each other in such meaningful ways because we're all at the same level of the number of hats and recognizing when, hey, one person should have this hat on, but they're struggling right now. So I'll pop that hat on and help them out. (laughs) And so we could not do it without community. That is for sure. Oh, for sure. Okay. So tell me a little bit about Sainert's. We have alluded to the fact that this is a landmark business, but that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. So tell us a little bit about St. Nerds. Yes. So uh, St. Nerds Bakery is here in McCook, Nebraska. It has been in McCook um, since 1965, but it really dates back. So St. Nerds Bakeries as a whole date back to 1521 in Erfurt, Germany, which that blows my mind. It's an incredible story. And so the first bakery came to the U.S. in the late 1800s. And so there were actually 10 different Sainert families that had bakeries in the U.S. um, in the 1900s. And so 
The last one um, is here in McCook and we, um, it was brought by Walt and Jean Sainers. They were married and uh, came to McCook with the bakery and then Walt's son, Matt and his wife, Shelly Sainert and their children uh, were the previous owners. And so they were the fourth USA generation to have it. And now my husband Andrew and myself are the proud new owners, um, no bloodline <laughs> there. But we are just feeling so honored to be part of this multi-generation business with such rich history, not only in this community, but the nation. Um, and it's, I mean, dates back to Germany, which is just so crazy. But if we think about kind of the, one of the hallmarks of Sainert's Bakery is just a production bakery, like it sounds like. So we do breads, rolls, donuts. So when you walk in um, to Sainert's Bakery, it's, it kind of takes you back to the donut shop where you uh, grab a a donut and a cup of coffee. Um, and then we serve lunch. So we do um, the Biroc Cafe kicks in around noon. And um, when Matt, the previous owner and his wife took over, that was something they added. So Walt, um, Matt's dad just had the bakery. And then Matt and Shelly realized they wanted to diversify and so added some soup sandwich salads set up uh, with some really unique sandwiches. So like the apple planter is um, turkey, cheese, bacon, and apple on our homemade ciabatta bread. That sounds so good. <laughs> yes, actually focaccia bread. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my baking terms down. Um, <laughs> but yes, it is, it is delicious. Um, and so yeah, we do bakery production, lunch, we'll do caterings. Um, we've got the coffee portion. We have, um, live at the Biroc has been an entertainment portion that will come in with some like folk and country musicians that roll through um, certain times of the year. And then we also have wholesale pizza crusts that we sell out the back door to distributors across um, the Midwest. And so sometimes uh, you'll see Sainter's pizza crusts in small town restaurants and bars in Nebraska, which is, which is fun. So there's lots of moving pieces and I think I've covered them all. I should have made a list, but that I think is the main pieces. Oh, that's so cool. When we sat down in an earlier podcast recording, I knew that you had bought in, you and your husband had become the owners of this business without a family connection, but I did not know at the time of the rich history that you guys were becoming part of. And I want to know, like, how did you guys get to be involved then without that direct bloodline? How did you come into now owning this historic business? Yeah. Um, I mean, by only an act of God, if we're just going to summarize it. But I mean, <laughs> when we talk details, it makes literally no sense. I'm a farm girl from um, North Central Nebraska. My husband grew up in Los Angeles. Neither of us have um, food service backgrounds or anything like that. But when we got married back in 2016, we moved to McCook right after um, my husband was involved in economic development for four years here, and we just got connected with the community. And St. Ernst is such of a central like heartbeat to the town. Um, I worked from home. I work virtually. And so when I needed out of the house and I was trying to meet people, I went to St. Ernst, the coffee shop to work and, you know, got connected with the, with the coffee club that meets um, a table of, you know, seven or eight guys. And so it was just fun to feel like I was part of a community that I wasn't truly a part of yet, but I was figuring out ways to get connected. And um, I could see the regulars and I figured out who they were and made those conversations. And that I think is really what um, has drawn us to the business when we were presented with the opportunity was 
this is just such an integral part of this community. And it's so important for communities in, I mean, the country, but especially in the Midwest to hold on to these pieces of like foundational bedrock to what makes the Midwest what it is. Um, gathering places, places that build community and just foster this sense of belonging. And so the previous owner, Matt, had reached out in a text. I think he was probably joking when he did it, not thinking that we would be interested, but he texted my husband uh, back in February of 2021 and said, hey, do you want to give up your cushy nine to five job and become an entrepreneur? Uh, which then six months later, we became owners of, of St. Rose Bakery. So it is something that we just feel really honored that Matt considered us. Um, he said that he was knew that he he's only in his mid-50s and so he is by no means old or ready to totally phase out but he'd recognize that there were things so he was um, the owner and he was the head baker and so he was stretched in a lot of different places and he's mm -hmm. like I love the production bakery side but I recognize that I'm letting some of the business side slip and so I love he said a young cute couple to come in <laughs> that understands the value of tradition but also is interested in innovation and so uh here we are. I think you just summed it up so well, the value of tradition, but the importance of innovation. And I think that's really where a lot of businesses that are multi-generation right now find themselves, where you want to carry on this tradition. You want to see the business continue, but we're at this crossroads where you, we might have to do things differently in order for it to continue for multiple generations in the future. And I think that was kudos to Matt for identifying that it was time, even maybe before he was ready to retire, retire, to bring someone else on board that could facilitate this like new innovative side. But I think Matt is still on board the team, correct? He's still mm -hmm. leading the bakery. So he's still involved, right? Yeah. Yep. He's, he's still back in production, which we're super thankful for and he's available for consult hours. So that's been, I think, one of the most interesting dynamics in this as, uh, you know, the, the previous owner is still very much involved, but um, he's done a great job in stepping away enough to know for those that are on staff, um, we've got 23 folks that are employed. And so they recognize that Matt is still involved, but really Andrew and myself, along with our general manager, we're the ones that are making decisions and kind of calling the shots now. So I'm sure it has been far from easy for him, but he's done a really great job at it. So it's been, it's been a fun ride. That is what a help to you guys too, mm -hmm. as you were making that very marked change in your lives to move back to McCook to then like be a entrepreneur slash like you're still working your other jobs. What a gift to still have him alongside you in those times when you have questions or you're unsure. Like you said, coming into food service, like very fresh, it's probably super helpful to have somebody with experience that you can rely on and get that kind of sage advice from. Yes, definitely. We would not have said yes or considered the offer if Matt would have been like, hey, no, we're peacing out. Good luck. Um, one of the smart things that Matt did a few years ago was pulled in a general manager who had experience in catering and food service. And so, um, I think he recognized even back then I need someone to be able to help with the business side. And so, yeah, we're just so thankful Matt has put the steps into place to be able to really set up new owners for success. And I think it's just such an incredible testament to his understanding of the importance of 
transitioning businesses to the next generation and not holding on too tightly to what he felt like he had created and not, you know, being too proud to see someone else kind of step into it. So yeah, it's, uh, we're just very lucky. Ah, oh, okay. So tell me a little bit more about like, you get this text about, Hey, do you want to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> What were some of the conversations that you and Andrew had to have? And what were some of the steps that you guys had to take to take this just from like, oh, what a crazy idea to, wow, we're actually going to sign the papers and this is ours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Man. So my husband is an Enneagram five, which if you know anything about Enneagram fives, he needs to like have everything figured out before anything comes out of his mouth. And so he sat on the text for a couple of days and didn't even tell me about it. (laughs) Um, and then finally decided that he wasn't going to be able to figure out on his own, but he was okay with like, maybe I should leave my wife into this conversation. Um, so we talked about it and it was something where we knew that Matt and Shelly were people that when we, as we started raising children, like they were one couple of about three that were like, when we run into a crossroads with raising kids and want to know what we should do, Matt and Shelly are one of those people. And so, or one of those couples. And so um, we also valued their opinion when it comes to like next stages in life. And so we made multiple visits down to McCook just to have some really honest conversations with them around what it would look like. And we were thankful that they kind of tried to scare us out of it. Like they told us as much nitty gritty as they could because rightfully so, they wanted to be sure they had the right people, the business in the right people's hands afterwards. And so we're just really thankful for their honesty and transparency. But as we kind of made it through those initial conversations and had all of our questions answered at the time, um, really the next steps, the nice thing was my husband was in economic development prior to this. So he had seen a lot of business transitions happen and helped a lot of business owners start businesses. So he had a ton of resources at his fingertips. But if we think about like the next step that we took once we decided, okay, this is going to be the next stage of life for our family. The Nebraska Business Development Center was a really great resource for us. And really there's small business development centers across the nation that have people that are paid to help you write business plans, figure out financial projections, all those things that yes, you can do on your own, but man, if you like, (laughs) it it takes a lot. And so it's still a lot of work when you're working with someone, but I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, there are just so many resources out there for folks who are interested in buying businesses, starting businesses. So even though my husband had uh, experience in that, it was because he knew people and knew the resources that were out there. And so, yeah, it was such a help to work with the Nebraska Business Development Center to get those pieces together that when you go to a bank and say, hey, I'm gonna buy a business, they are gonna ask for your business plan and your financial projections. So those were some of the pieces that we put together with the help of the Nebraska Business Development Center. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I know, I guess from my own experience, when I started this business that I had, I had no idea there was even such a thing as a small business association or business development centers. And so I really felt like, okay, this is my business that kind of blossomed and I got to figure this out. And my resource was talking like you had with people who I knew and trusted that had their own businesses and were balancing the things that I wanted to do too but I had no idea that there was a business, like a professional business advising resource that I could tap into until a couple of years into my own business. And so I think it's like, what a gift that you're sharing the resource that you used so that people listening 
can find their own small business administration resources that they can tap into too. Yes, definitely. It's, it is very intimidating, but it doesn't have to be ask the right questions, the right people. And, um, You'll figure it out eventually. We none of us know what we're doing, but there there are folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> I won't raise my hand to that. I don't really know what I'm doing all the time either. So we're just making our best guess, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, okay. So walk us through the first day of ownership. How did it feel when it was yours? Sainert's, you open the door and this is your baby now. Yeah. We, so we signed on our house and the business on the same day. So there was oh lots gosh. of, <laughs> lots of new things. Um, thankfully my mother had taken the boys for the couple of days. So it was just Andrew and I didn't have to balance a three and a one-year-old on top of it. But the, the next thing that we did was about a month before we had signed the papers, um, we came down to McCook and kind of hosted like a small announcement of it. I don't know. We, we invited like in, people that were important in our lives that we met here in McCook previously, those that were important to the Sanert family and staff, all of the existing staff stayed on um, through the transition for Super Oh, that's time. awesome. Yeah, huge, huge blessing. And so really just wanted to make sure everyone was aware and on the same page that it was happening. And we're really thankful that Matt and Shelly did it in a way that was very celebratory. And it was like, we're really excited to bring Alex Danger on. So um, the, once we kind of step into the first day, obviously you're signing all the papers and we had the food inspector in and the, the alcohol commission, I don't even know the technical names, but I mean, we were signing all of those papers. And so really it was the morning, most of it was still signing our life away. But as, <laughs> as we think about like stepping into it that afternoon, it was just really surreal. We had spent so much time at St. Eric's from a customer standpoint and just from a friend standpoint of the senior family. And then to know that we were now so deeply a part of that and to see the same people standing beside us that we had stood in the bakery with for the last six years um, was so cool. And so uh, super nervous though, as we were meeting, we met the staff before, but obviously didn't know them super well. And so that was a level of intimidation and trying to, we're young, right? Like we're 27 and 28. And so a lot of folks, um, there <laughs> a couple of staff made some comments, but I bless their hearts. It was so funny. They could not believe that we were the ones that were going to take over. <laughs> you want to do this? Uh, so there was a level of like trying to prove yourself and uh, we can get into that later. So healthy levels of excitement and like, oh my goodness, what are, what did we do in the best way? <laughs> I think that it is such a cool perspective to walk into too, though. Like you said, you had been part of this history as the customer and then as friends of the previous owners, but now it was yours. But I think that gives you such a unique opportunity to say, you know, as a customer, there was this thing that I wanted a lot and it wasn't available. So now I have the agency to go ahead and make that possible. Or as friends of the previous owners, you could hear things that maybe they were having issues with. And then you guys can create solutions around that. So that puts you guys in a really unique, but very opportune position, I feel. Yep. I would totally agree. We're, uh, there's lots of, (laughs) there's lots of ideas that we had as customers that we would love to implement. But now that we see the other side, we're like, oh, so maybe this is why. (laughs) Yep. Uh Uh-huh. So what have some of those things 
been that have popped up in the last few months that you've either been like pleasantly surprised by or that have posed a challenge as you've maneuvered this journey into entrepreneurship and small business ownership? Yeah, I think some of those, like some of the surprises was very similar to that. It was the number of people that came to us with ideas that were like, oh, it would be cool if you did this and cool if you did that. And I just, I don't think I, I underestimated maybe how much people cared about the inner workings of the business, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my husband actually instituted it. You have a 40 second pitch to give me. So he's like, if people are really committed about their idea, they can get it out in 40 seconds <laughs> because otherwise it ended up being a really long conversation sometimes. Oh gosh, um, I bet. That's so, a smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was his brainchild. So yeah, that has been a fun surprise. It's like the ideating that the community has and would love to see um, new ideas come in. I think some of the challenges, as I mentioned before, we are young. And so there is this stigma to get over of like, do they know what they're doing? They don't have food service experience. Like what, what's the deal here? But I think what makes that so much easier is like we have a really solid general manager who has years of experience. Um, we've got Matt still on our shoulders. We've got this existing staff that has stayed on and some of them have been there for 30 plus years. And so yes, we are for sure the newbies and we aren't coming in and acting like we know everything by any means. Like we just have this mentality of learning, but also recognizing that we still come with 27 and 28 years of experiences um, and traveling and so we have new ideas too that we would love to bring and not being afraid to share that. So that's, I think, been the one of the challenges, just balancing what people think about our ages and what we, what we know to be true about the value that we bring no matter the age. I love something that you said there, like you guys still have 27 and 28 years of experience and you've traveled and you've lived other places. And that gives you, again, some unique perspective. And I know that as small town folks. Sometimes if we've been in this, like in my situation, I've lived in this town for like ever minus the years that I went to college. So like, sometimes we get this attitude of like, well, we know what's best because we've been here the longest, but Mm -hmm. it takes people who have these outside life experiences who care enough to come into our communities and invest time in their own dollars with these new innovative ideas that we as like maybe lifers of a community, if you will, like Mm -hmm. we're not always right just because we've been here the longest. Like there are so many people with cool ideas and we got to take those into account. And I think what you're saying about seeing what's happened in other places, maybe taking other ideas from other small towns and saying this worked there, it can work here too. It gives like so much additional life to this year's long business. Right. Yes, I totally agree. And I, think one of the beautiful things about McCook and so many other communities in the Midwest is just they're recognizing that they need to bring in that next generation. And even though they may not 100% agree with all of their ideas, um, because, you know, some of them are those lifers that have, that know the way the community works and, you know, oh, that, that would never work because X, Y, Z, but through a lot of the older generation here in McCook, they're, openness and willingness to bring in outsiders like we have no physical ties to this community we are both from um we grew up five hours away from this in either part of the state and then he grew up in los angeles for part of his life so i mean like there's (laughs) we have no ties to this community 
Um, but I think when we moved here, we showed up in a way that we showed our commitment to community and to learn and not being afraid to voice ideas when the time was right. So um, it is a two-way street. It's it's the previous generation being open-minded, but then young folks coming in and not being afraid to, to share their ideas and to show their commitment to uh, wherever they're at. That's so good. I, I love talking with you. This is so great. <laughs> oh, well, it is, it is so fun to chat with you as well, Molly. All the right <laughs> questions. Testing. Is this on? Oh, hey there, listener. Did you notice that we've had sponsors on recent weeks of the podcast? Chilled Freezer Meals, Janie Stall Coaching, and Sweat Inspire Sisterhood are businesses here to help you with their products and services. And they knew that as a small-minded listener, you might need just what they had to offer. Now, if your business helps people who live and work in small towns, then a commercial spot on the Small Minded Podcast might be the perfect opportunity for you to connect your products and services with your ideal follower. And you know we're all about the marketing and ideal audience here, right? So if you're interested in advertising with the Small Minded Podcast, shoot us an email at hello at mollycanuthmedia.com to discuss our new sponsorship opportunities that we have available. Now, this is the place where I put in a friendly little disclaimer and let you know that we're going to be pretty selective about who we allow to advertise on the podcast because our listener experience is super important. We really value each and every one of you who tunes in each week and downloads episodes of the podcast. So if you're a business who is interested in advertising in this space, be prepared for us to ask some initial questions about your goals, who you are, what you do, and just really get oriented with you and your business before we offer you the recording spot. Okay, so thanks for letting me clear the air there. But if you are interested in advertising with Small Minded, shoot us an email at hello at mollycanuthmedia.com for all the information about our new sponsorship opportunities. Okay, so in this idea or this vein of talking about ideas and innovation, what are some things that you, and only share what you feel comfortable sharing, because yeah. I know some of these might be like private things, but what are some of the ideas that you guys have to innovate Sainerts and extend the lifespan of the business for generations to come? Yeah. So I think um, one of the things that really interested us in Sainerts was the diversification that Matt and Shelley had kind of started as we think about all the different arms of Sainerts. And so one of those, they did not do any shipping prior to the holidays of um, 2020. And so they just started figuring out this whole shipping backbone that you needed to get food product from outside of just your geographical location. And so we're really excited to work on expanding that this year. Um, we did another round of shipping holiday boxes with baked goods from the bakery in December of 2021. But there are so many other things that we would love to share with people that can't get to a cook. So one of the things that we make are Burox. And so they're cabbage or kraut with ground beef wrapped in our homemade bundo, um, very similar to another fast food chain here in the Midwest, um, something that they make. But I think they are much better, obviously. Um, and so <laughs> no doubt. We, would, yeah, we would love to figure out 
uh, we were really close to figuring out how to get those chips across the nation. Um, our pizza crust, we would love to be able to offer those direct to consumer. So it's just really, I think, like shipping is our biggest hurdle to get over and making sure the quality of all of these products is maintained through that shipping. We would love to be able to ship donuts and breads. Those are just a little harder to maintain the quality. So the goals are beer ox and pizza crust in the next year. And then one thing that we have really enjoyed and like what made us fall in love with St. Ertz was this live at the beer ox where they would bring um, musicians in and there would be some dinner and shows. That's definitely, it has a narrow audience, kind of like a, a listening room feel. And so we recognize that there is um, a desire in the community for a little lighter and more casual music, bar snacks, not like your rowdy honky tonk, but not a like very quiet sitting down and listening to an entire set before you get up and get a drink kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we love kind of this middle ground of music and food and drink. And so we're trying to come up with this social arm of Sainerts that we're not sure what exactly that's going to look like, but that's been one of the fun things. We're like, man, that would be really cool if dot, 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 when we were a customer. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things we're working on figuring out is kind of the branding and the direction for that. That's so cool. Cause with both of those ideas, I think it, it, it really serves two different parts of your audience and who you want to help because with your music idea, that's really for your locals and you're very tuned into what your local market is interested in. You're listening to what they want and designing something around that. And then your shipping is to extend this magic of this bakery to more places. So you're getting that outside audience. So I think it's so smart of you guys to innovate, not just say, well, I'm going to take this brand national but also to serve your locals because they're the ones who have made this business possible. And so it's important to give back to them too. I think that's genius. Yes, hundred percent. I wish I could say that that was like a grand scheme and we told them to do that. It wasn't, <laughs> but you made it sound really brilliant. So thanks. Molly. <laughs> just, just take the credit and just say, yeah, mm -hmm, that's totally what we had planned. <laughs> exactly. That's not what I mentioned the whole time. <laughs> um, the other thing, so Alex and I got to know each other um, because Alex had come on board in one of our fall social school sessions. I think it was the very first like one month long one, but we got an opportunity to talk about your social media pages and presence. And we identified two, which I'm going to loop all this in and make sense. It's not just going to be to like talk about social, but we talked about how like your Facebook followers were interested. We noticed that they were liking different kinds of posts than what your Instagram followers were liking. And I think that goes hand in hand with what we just said about serving those audiences, yeah. because your Instagram audience is a little more national. And mm -hmm. so they are into different things on the feed. They want to see the pretty pictures. They're looking at the behind the scenes, but we noticed that on Facebook, whenever you showed like your morning donuts and your like flavor of the day. People were just loving it. And I remember talking with you about this and you were like, and I thought this was very profound. And you said, you know, it's because these donuts, they're connected to memories that people have. And I know I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. you yeah. said they're like, people are following us who've been to McCook. Maybe they were born here and they moved other places. But when they see the picture of that donut, it's not just a donut. It's going to breakfast with grandma or it's getting that donut after Sunday morning mass or whatever, it's connected to their memories. And so your local followers from the Facebook side, like they are into the nostalgic. And so I think you guys are really tapped into who your audience is, who you serve, 
why they're coming to you and you are able to serve them so well because you know who those people are. Yeah. Thank you. We're, we're really trying. And I think that's one of the biggest, another one of the biggest surprises is just the, the ties to that nostalgia that people make, even if they weren't from the cook. So we had a friend that visited and he is a coffee guy. We're actually, we switched coffee. He roasts coffee. And so he's kind of this rugged, like burly tattooed guy. And he walked into McCook or into St. Eric's for the first time and got teary eyed because it reminded him of this donut shop that he used to go to with his grandpa in Southeast Nebraska. And to see him have such an emotional tie to what he walked into, I think is very similar to like this pull on Facebook with the nostalgia. It, it doesn't matter if you were from McCook or St. Eric's specifically, although that is definitely one portion of it. It is just this general nostalgia for a simpler time or whatever it may be. So we're feeling, uh, it's just really fun to get to, like Matt had said, honor the tradition, but think about how we can continue to move it forward with innovation. So that will be the balance that we forever get to play with, which is fun. This is so cool. And we could talk business for like another, another 45 minutes, but I also want to talk to like your experience as a mom, like navigating all of this. So We talked about some of the successes and the challenges of just like stepping into small business ownership. How has the personal side of this been? What has the impact been on like your time? What have been some of the successes and struggles on the personal side? Yeah. So this was something that I learned or I, I checked my pride at the door very early on, like third day on the job was we needed to accept help. And that looked like a lot of different things, but right off the bat, it was, we had a couple people offer to help move us in. And I normally would have said, no, it's fine. But I was like, no, we are step- like, we, people are offering to help. Let's take some help. So uh, we had a friend that like unpacked the entire kitchen and we had multiple people bring meals over the first couple nights. And uh, thankfully we found daycare right off the bat with a couple spots for our kiddos, which because we had been connected with folks in the community prior, they had offered a couple of different names up. And so it was both asking for and receiving help has been something that I have learned is necessary and is 100% okay. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. uh, so much of my, um, motherhood journey in all of the four years has been like, I got this, I can do this. And that is true, but it's only because of like the wonderful support system that we choose to build around us. And so that I think has been the biggest learning moment. And I'm thankful that I uh, surrendered to that early on (laughs) was it's okay to ask for and receive help when it's offered. So that I think would be one thing. Uh, Overall, it's been really fun to think about our boys growing up in the bakery. So I'm from a third generation farm and ranch, obviously marrying a guy from LA. I wasn't going to go back to that production farm and ranch, Um, but that was kind of sad for me. There was a state of mourning where I was like, oh, my kids aren't going to grow up on the day to day, like with that work ethic that I grew up with. And so this is really cool to think about, like how they can continue to build that work ethic through a different path that I took growing up as a kid, but through that same like tradition and responsibility 
um, that came from growing up on the farm. So that's something that I'm really excited for as, as a mom stepping into this is just thinking about how we can get the next generation involved, um, all of the sweeping that they can do so soon, which I'm so excited. <laughs> do they have their own little like small mop and broom Not at the corner yet, of the counter? <laughs> but we need to, um, honestly, they're more in the way probably at this age and they would be helpful. Um, which is no reason for them not to be involved, but <laughs> we need to, need to figure that out. Oh gosh. I know the feeling. <laughs> we don't have a restaurant bakery, but yeah, there's definitely situations around here where it's like, is it worth taking the time to show them how to do it? Or should I just be like, okay, go over here and then I'll get this. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome that you brought up these points because I think as Midwest people, you and I both are, and a lot of people listening are too. One of the trademarks of the Midwest person is the Midwest work ethic, right? And it's this feeling of, I can handle anything that comes at me, just like you said. But there's these humbling moments in life where you're just so thankful to have a small town support system because people do show up with casseroles or help you unpack your kitchen or mow your lawn in times when you really need help. And it can be counterintuitive to the way that we are wired, but saying thank you, yes, <laughs> is so right. important because there are times when we need to do that. So I think that's a great point to bring up about the personal transition is sometimes you need help and it's okay, whether that help looks like somebody moving you in or accepting that you need a housekeeper or yeah. sending your kids to daycare, like it's okay. You can do what you got to do. Right. Yes. Hundred percent, amen. <laughs> okay, um, I just have a couple more questions, and then we're going to get into what I call the small talk round. And those are just random questions that pop into my head. But can you tell us, as we wrap this up, what I know you said that some of your goals for Saint Ertz this year are to kind of play around with that shipping and to bring music in. On the personal side, as like the owner. What are some like personal things I just shared on Instagram stories today? Like I had this profound listening experience to a podcast where it was like, how do I want to feel in my business this year? And I was like, oh, that's such a cool thing. Like it's not an action oriented item. It's a feeling oriented. So what's a feeling that you want to have when you look back at the end of 2022? How do you want to feel about your process as a business owner this year? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, okay, so the first thing that came to mind, whether this is profound or not, but here it is. Um, I am a self-proclaimed people pleaser. Uh, not self-proclaimed, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Self-diagnosed? Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> a recovering people pleaser, maybe. Oh, there you we'll go. put it that way. <laughs> um, but no, as I, as I think about something in a business ownership, one thing that I have struggled with is this people-pleasing tendency. And so when someone has an idea, it's like, oh yeah, we've got to figure out how to do that because clearly there's a, a need that's not being met or there's you know something that we need to fix. And there's not always something that we need to fix. People just have ideas. And so that's really exciting. And so I think um, as I, if we're you know a year down the road and I want to think back, I would love just to feel confident in knowing that the decisions that we made as a team between my husband and myself, like we knew what we were doing or that we, we put the time and effort into figuring out what we didn't know and whether it was a right or wrong decision in the moment, we did the best that we could with the information that we had. 
And so um, it's maybe less people pleasing. If that is that the is that a word or a feeling? We'll go with mm-hmm. that. I love that. I think, and you also said confident, and I think those yeah. I think those are both really great feelings. Good one. All right, last question. What is a piece of business advice or any advice that you would give to someone considering starting or getting involved in small business ownership? Yeah, I think I alluded to this earlier, but it can be really intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. There are so many resources out there. And if you've got the passion and the excitement for something, go out and do it. I remember as we were trying, well, we'd already made the decision, but as we were talking with folks about it and kind of doing the whole, like, well, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're going to try. Someone had told us, because we were talking about, we don't have any food service experience. So we don't have any baking experience. Why would we buy a bakery? And they said, you know, when a banker looks at a business decision like this, if it's a baker wanting to start a business, they maybe have a little concern because they wouldn't have the business understanding. Or if it was someone who was strictly focusing on investments and trying to capitalize on their money and they wanted to buy a bakery, they would be probably concerned that they didn't have all the banking experience needed. And so I think you can come into your business decisions with an understanding of why you're doing it from the passion side and knowing that you have built, find the connections or you will you already know the connections that you need to make to kind of figure out the business side. You can do it in chunks. You don't have to know it all. Like I said, it can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. I think that is so wise. It's very good advice. Well, thank you. We're, we're figuring it out day by day. So I'm sure, I'm sure that advice may change down the road. <laughs> oh, but you, you're figuring it out and that's, yeah that's the important part. You're putting the time in to do it. And like you said, make the right decisions based on the information you have. So if people want to follow along with the Sainert story, they want to see what your family is up to and where you're taking the business next, where can they follow along? Yes. So we are at Sainert's Bakery on both Facebook and Instagram. Sainert spelled S-E-H-N-E-R-T-S. Awesome. And if people aren't great spellers out there, we'll make sure to link to it so that you guys just have to tap a button. It makes it super easy, but yes, that is so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the Sainert story today. But before we end, we're going to do the small talk round. These are just random questions that I have come up with on the spur of the moment. All right. You ready? I love it. Yes. Hit me. Number one, what is your go-to bakery item from Sainert's? If you're going to go in and get something to eat. Oh man. Um, if we're talking donuts, it is an apple fritter. If we're talking lunch, it's our Chibata club. Um, and if you're talking a drink, we have a really great, uh, dirty chai that I love. I love chai lattes and so good. All right. Question number two, you're in Nebraska. It's the middle of January. What are you guys doing to pass the time indoors? (laughs) That is a great question. Um, We, let's see, we've done a lot of home improvement projects. We're not big DIYers, but for example, we took down the uh, window coverings that were in the house prior. And so the husband's currently working on hanging new blinds and just getting those house things done inside that we really hate to do when it's nice outside. 
Oh, that's good. I found that, and I don't know if this to be true of everybody, but like after the 2020 and 2021, like COVID of everything, I'm just like really feeling the need to refresh. Like I just want to refresh the house. And I think it's because we've spent so much time like in our homes the last couple of years. I have a feeling that this year is going to be a lot of maybe not huge DIY projects, like you said, but like those little things that just make your house more comfortable, livable, and feel fresh again after we spent so much time at home. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm wanting to put wallpaper on this back wall that you can see when I'm on a video call. Like just little things like that where I'm like, we need to do that before it gets like <laughs> I have had the same thoughts. I'm like, I need to do something here, like in yeah. this wall behind me. Cause I'm like, I we've had so much Zoom and like, I need to do something here. So it looks like a video background. <laughs> yeah. All right, next question. I know you said you grew up on a farm and ranch, but what was your first paid job? Yeah, I'm sure it was something on the farm. When did my dad and mom decide to pay me? This is the real question. Um, It was probably, (laughs) I would say fixing fence. Um, That was something that, I mean, we grew up doing from as little as like probably two or three getting to like hand dad staples. But that was maybe, oh no, I lie. I think the first thing that I remember getting paid for was spraying cedar trees. So like our natural resource district or something gave money to folks um, to help with the cedar tree overpopulation. And so my sisters and I went out in the hills and sprayed cedar trees. That was not great work, but definitely worth getting paid. It probably felt like you were making so much money though at that (laughs) age. You were probably like, whoa, I got five bucks. (laughs) Yeah, what have you been missing out on? Oh my gosh. Okay, last question of the small talk round. You said that you guys have traveled before. What is on your travel bucket list? Looking ahead, if you could go anywhere, where are you going? Yes. Uh, One place we have not traveled is Europe. And so as I think about like all of the baked goods, the pastries, the breads, like man, um, Italy would be, I think, our next... Like when we are ready to bust out of the U.S., that's going to be our um, our next big trip. Oh, and you guys are going to have such a different like experience because you'll be like talking about the baked goods the whole way through Europe, I'd imagine. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it's funny we're going to Disney World next month, and we're like already doing research on like where's the best baked goods in Disney World <laughs> that we probably would have done before. Um, can we use this as a write-off? How does this work? <laughs> You're doing market research, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate you sharing your story with us. And again, for our listeners out there, you can follow along at St. Ertz Bakery on Facebook and Instagram, and we will be sure to link to it on our social pages so you can go and follow along. Yes. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for giving us a chance to share our story. Oh, it was wonderful talking to you. So thank you. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. 
please go out, make today a good one, take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived, being small-minded.